My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this episode, we talk with Lily Ray, SEO Director at Path Interactive. We discuss how she grew up in a technology-centric family, learning HTML growing up, attending law school with an interest in politics around the time of the 2008 financial crisis, how all of those experiences led her to digital marketing and how she eventually found a career and a passion for SEO. We also talk about some of her biggest SEO challenges and how to build trust with clients. In addition, we discuss her side hustle as a professional DJ. That's right, another musician. In the news and our deep dive, we again talk about the impact of coronavirus on the SEO industry, trends that we're seeing with our clients, and the advice that we've been giving during these troubling times. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Lily's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Hey, everybody, this is Jacob Stoops, and you're listening to episode 46 of the Page 2 podcast. And I am here with my co-host, Mr. Jeff Luella, the tech SEO himself. <laughs> How's everyone doing? I guess they I can't hear me, right? No, I, I'm going to have to figure this out one day. <laughs> I tell you that every time. They can't hear you. <laughs> They'll hear you on Monday and they'll answer you, but you won't hear them back. Yeah, I figure while you're in your car or now locked away in your house somewhere, you can just say, we're doing your, right. your ears are just going to be buzzing and you're not going to know why <laughs> on Monday. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I'm going to just straight up admit it. I am, I am exhausted. Um, the, the pressures that I think uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 have put on a lot of people, I, I don't know how, how you feel. Um, Actually, let me just, let me back up. Let me announce the guest so she can actually feel like she's a part of this conversation before we get into how tired I am. <laughs> uh, so we have a guest and our guest is one of the most badass women in the SEO industry today. And also I might add one of the coolest names just in general, Miss Lily Ray. Lily, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, so as I was saying, um, we have, uh, we mean, meaning me, I've got an, an interesting um, position with respect to the coronavirus outbreak. We are currently in our, you know, kind of stuck in our house, just like everybody else. Um, but I, I feel like the, the people in my family are um, not uh, impacted to the extent of being sick, but uh, are impacted to the extent of being a part of industries that are highly affected. So my wife is a teacher, obviously highly affected. Uh, my father-in-law is a restaurant owner and in Ohio, all restaurants and bars have been shut down. So he's obviously <laughs> highly affected uh, by that. And I think the thing right now that is currently, I think the, the, most difficult is one, not knowing when things are going to be um, going to be over, and two, 
this week, my wife and I, wife now working from home, we are both still expected to work, but we are also to some degree uh, now becoming homeschoolers, <laughs> homeschoolers, just because it's taken a little while for our school districts to kind of get the online learning stuff kind of up and running. So balancing out uh, working from home uh, together and trying to coordinate meetings, balancing the time that it now takes to homeschool. And oh, by the way, we've got a 10 month old on top of that. So we've got, so three kids total that we're trying to balance out and, and actually still work. So I'm just going to go ahead and apologize uh, to my employer search discovery when at the end of the week, I bill an extraordinary amount of bench time because I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off for most of the day. Uh, I don't know how, how's your guys's experience going? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because like the story you just told is so similar to, I think my own and everybody else that I've spoken to. It's like, it's almost like nine 11 where everybody had a story about someone they knew or someone they were connected to or their family being affected. Like that's, that's everyone in the world is experiencing that right now. There's all kinds of jobs being affected, um, yeah. all kinds of vulnerable people, people with illnesses and, autoimmune deficiencies and things like that, where it's like everyone's feeling this really, really close to home really fast. So it's indeed been a very stressful time. Yeah. And I yeah. find it like we're asking ourselves, at least we're asking ourselves really weird questions. Like we take our kids every Monday to grandma and grandpa's house and they, they're they affectionately called Nona and Pop-Up, uh, Italian for, well, Nona, Italian for grandma, Pop-Up, just because he likes to be called Pop-Up. Uh, and we're, because they're in their late sixties, we're like, should we do that? Should we take them? Like if we have it, what do we do? Where are yeah. we going to go in the house? How are we going to quarantine and keep everybody, uh, keep everybody safe? These are like questions I never really thought, thought about until, until now. And it feels really, really weird. It's like bizarro world. Yeah. Yeah. I have some neighbors who are, um, into the like, doomsday, not the doomsday prepping side, but they're think, thinking that way where they're just like, if you watch on the news, even, you know, best bro shop have lines out the door for people who want to buy guns and ammunition because oh, they think the zon, you know, zombie apocalypse is coming and, you know, no more toilet paper, no more any paper goods in there. But I think this morning, my, my wife, she's been really uh, affected by this and just mentally you know, with like thinking like, how is she going to protect the whole family and, and stuff like that? And she was brave enough this morning to go out to Walmart and do some shopping. And she got there as soon as the doors opened at like 6am. And she said there was only like five other people there. And this, the store is pretty much stocked except for paper goods. But we were able to get like most of the anything we need for like fruits, veggies, meats, things like that they had. So um, it seems like it's slowly not getting back to normal by any means, but getting, uh, you know, the shelves are going to be stocked a little bit more. I don't, the toilet paper thing, I think in a, a couple of weeks, if it doesn't get back on the shelves, <laughs> um, we're, there's somebody on eBay going to make a million dollars who bought it all. The house is in big trouble. As is <laughs> house. Yeah. And, and Amazon prime like is not coming in two days anymore. So uh, Amazon the day won't come that quick. Paper. I've tried. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can't say that my store experience has been uh, similar to yours. I went uh, this weekend uh, to kind of stock up after our governor announced kind of the, the various closings. And um, 
and, and I even went this morning to just replenish our milk and literally like I got their doors open. There were a lot of people there. There was a line that I had to wait in for 30 minutes just to pay for my groceries and the shelves were half stocked, no paper mm. products, no sanitizer, uh, diapers, eggs, milk, uh, of course, toilet paper, not not uh-huh. in abundant supplies here in Delaware or I should Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah, that's been an interesting thing. I live in New York City, uh, in Brooklyn specifically. So um, that's one kind of nice thing about living in the densest part of the United States is that right. there isn't as much of a shortage here with those types of things. I can go out and get tons of toilet paper right now within three square blocks of my apartment. Um, Hand sanitizer is more difficult, but uh, it's it's been interesting to watch over the last couple of weeks is like panic has kind of set on for certain people um, like increasingly, but at the same time, like people's behaviors are changing. So like the gyms are closing, but uh, throughout this week, since everybody works out so much here, everyone's shifted to like running outside. So in the beginning, beginning of the week, there was only a few people running outside, but last night it was like hundreds and hundreds of people running outside. I was like, oh, this is not the point. <laughs> like, right. we shouldn't all be congregated in one place. But it's an interesting to watch the behavior. Just decided to take up running, got nothing better to do. Yep, exactly. So what I, what I heard from that is that if Jeff or I need toilet paper over the course of the next couple of weeks, I'm going to message you on Twitter and maybe you'll I send can send you some. Yeah, maybe I'll start, start a new business in addition to SEO. <laughs> oh, so despite the fact that I'm sure people want to hear all of our thoughts on coronavirus and there will be more this episode, people do come to, to this podcast, hopefully for a little bit of a break and hopefully to hear us actually talk about SEO. So uh, one of the things I've been saying for the last couple of episodes is we set a goal at the beginning of the season in terms of how many listens uh, we were hoping to achieve. And not only have we beat that goal, we've crushed it. And we're going to continue to crush it, which is awesome. Not to say that we're like Joe Rogan or or anything like that in in terms of the number of visits. We're the, what I'll just call the working man's SEO podcast, the little podcast that, that could, but we're growing and we thank everybody. But what that means is that there are a lot of first time listeners. So the other thing that I've been doing, if you're a first time listener, is just kind of explaining uh, kind of the format for this, uh, this season. We're probably going to change it up a little bit next season, but Segment one uh, in this is really the core uh, of the podcast and really the reason I started it. Uh, One, I wanted to have a voice in the industry. Uh, Jeff came in in season two. Um, We both wanted to have a voice within the industry and we didn't want it to just be uh, another podcast where because I, I would say like I don't feel like I'm the most knowledgeable person in the industry. I've got a lot of experience. I've done a lot of things, um, but I, I would never say that I am on the cutting, cutting edge of anything. I'm just, just, a, just an SEO trying to get by, do my job every day, do the best things for my clients. Uh, that being said, I do feel like I, like I said, I wanted to have a voice. Got, got some, some thoughts, got some things I want to say about the industry. And I said, okay, well, I've also got a creative itch and I need to, I need an outlet. So started a podcast, but um, where I was going with that is it's not just a straight up knowledge dump. Um, so it's not going to be like your Brian Dean, uh, not, he's great by the way, uh, 20 tips for SEO in 2020. It's never going to be that, but what it is, uh, is, uh, I'm really fascinated and I've always been fascinated by the fact that because there isn't really a traditional way in terms of traditional education to get into SEO, we all kind of bump into it organically. Um, forgive the, the play on words, but we bump into it, 
uh, very organically. We fall into it from other places. And I find those stories incredibly, incredibly fascinating. And then kind of the other side of that uh, is I'm really interested in kind of the human element and the human stories that go into the day-to-day of what it's like to be an SEO. So if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully that is the core of the story that we're trying to tell. So in season two, uh, we also introduced the news. Uh, honestly, we're thinking about getting rid of the news, uh, and that's, that's breaking news, um, but we're thinking about getting rid of the news only because mostly it's just me yelling and complaining about Google and, <laughs> and Jeff being the even-keeled one, and if you're ever trying to listen to these episodes, it becomes dated uh, yeah. really quickly, but it's been good for this season, and it's been fun to get on and just rant about things. Yeah, and then you realize sometimes that there's not as much SEO news week to week <laughs> as oh, you think there would be. So you're like grasping at straws. Like sometimes there's big news, and I think when we came up with it, there was some a lot of big news at that time. Right. And then now we're, I mean, and then now coronavirus is in the news for yeah. everything. But at the same time, like uh, we don't really want to just do kind of a Barry Schwartz thing and say, was there an update this week? Every was every there? day. <laughs> was there an update this week? The answer is always yes. Uh, yes. And, and not only that, like on weeks where it was slow news, we found ourselves like dipping into Twitter beefs, and maybe that's yeah. not the best the best thing uh, the best thing to do. Uh, but then the third yeah. leg of the stool is uh, deep dives. I think we'll keep those because I think those are incredibly valuable, and we've deep dived into uh, a wide range of. Um, of subjects ranging from tactical and strategic SEO stuff to, uh, to things like diversity and mental health, uh, things that are just really, really important, maybe not talked about uh, nearly, nearly enough. So we want to cover um, a lot of things because they're all really important and they all really uh, kind of uh, converge into what it's like to be an SEO. And just what it's like to be to be, I guess, an employee anywhere in any industry. But uh, specifically, we try to put the SEO lens on it. So, without further ado, I'm sure people are like, "Jake, stop talking." Uh, Lily is is awesome, and we want to hear more from her. So, Lily, I'm going to put you on the spot. So, tell us uh, tell us your story. What's your SEO story? How'd you get into it? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, this is my tenth year in SEO, which is pretty exciting. Um, I started in college at the end of my uh, tenure at NYU when the uh, global recession was happening and people weren't finding jobs. So that was a fun time. Um, I was actually planning to go to law school and get into politics. And um, my friends that were in law school, like weren't making any money and weren't finding any jobs. So it was like, maybe this isn't the best use of like hundreds of thousands of dollars in four more years of my life. Um, And I found a job that was actually paying at the time, which was pretty unusual, which was a social media marketing job and SEO for a startup company. And my family are like tech people. So my dad works at Oracle. My brother's a web developer. My mom's a technical writer. I grew up in the Bay Area. um, So I actually learned like HTML as a kid and spent a lot of time on the computer. So I tried that job and I kind of fell into it and they liked the fact that I had some experience like building websites and stuff like that. So um, it actually came really naturally to me, naturally to me and uh, it ended up being a huge passion, like seeing the impacts of what I was implementing on the sites and then going into Google Analytics or, and seeing uh, you know traffic for the first time, like, wow, website traffic, what's that? Um, and so then eventually I uh, got pretty good at it, <laughs> spent a lot of time doing it. Um, worked at another finance company in-house for about a year 
Um, so yeah, and then I uh, eventually just fell into the agency world and um, worked my way up to being SEO director at my last agency and then have been at my current agency path for just over two years and uh, serving as SEO director. So we have a team of 15 people in New York City and Nashville, um, about 90 clients across a bunch of different industries. And so just kind of leading the team with strategy. Um, lately been doing a lot of like writing articles and speaking at conferences on SEO updates, as I, th I think you guys know. So um, yeah, that's my SEO story. I have it on good authority that you're also a DJ. I am a DJ. It's a little confusing right now because it's like, you know, I had a gig coming up in two weeks and that's not happening. There's no bars open here. Um, so I'm thinking of maybe doing some live streams over the next few weeks. That might be fun. Jeff, you're also Way a DJ, go. right? Uh, oh, or you, Jeff you? used to be a DJ. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I used to DJ drum and bass back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Actually, probably towards the mid to, you know, 2006 or seven, uh, based out of Philadelphia, but played plenty of times in New York and DC. Nice. So it was fun. Yeah. Do you guys have, when I see you, DJ I don't have a drum. I'm not a drummer though. So. Oh yeah. I'm also <laughs> a drummer. What are your DJ names? I've got to know. I'm just Lily Ray. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you have a cool name like Lily Ray. Yeah. I used to be, uh, my DJ name was Mookie. <laughs> I don't know why. One. I think, I think it's, <laughs> don't ask me why, but it was, um, you know, sometimes names are given to you and you don't just make them up. So. <laughs> so you're saying that was your name before and you just used it? People yeah, that's, yeah. Wow. It was interesting times. It's funny. <laughs> New things about Jeff every day. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we also, uh, when we worked at Rosetta, we worked with another uh, SEO, Stefan Mack, who also was a DJ, DJ Illusion. Pretty sweet. Wow, well, that's a good name. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of musicians in our industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. We've you're uh, now. I think the the third the third uh, former musician, or actually your current uh, musician uh, that also is an SEO. I wonder why it's interesting. Uh, I wonder why that would why that would be a common career path. Yeah, SEO is half art, half science, right? Creativity, so maybe? I, I don't yeah, know. I, I think yeah. it's creativity. That's one thing I've always loved about it because I've been a musician my whole life. And um, this felt like when I started to get into SEO, it felt like a tech job, but it also felt extremely creative. So going to work didn't feel like going to work. It felt like mm -hmm. building something or like creating yeah. something, which is something I've always loved about it. Yeah, there's nothing quite like um, the the endorphins that you that you feel uh, when you see a strategy of yours implemented and then you watch it work and you get to look at the analytics and look at the you know the, the conversions coming in on behalf of your you know, website clients and then the pride that you get to then go back to them with uh, once you've implemented something that has worked they're just you know even being in this industry for a long period of time that still gets me um, and I, I find that I, I wake up and I'm excited even still, um, to go to work. And I feel very, very lucky because I did fall into this profession. I never meant, it's not like I went to high school to be an SEO or college to be an SEO. It was a total accident. Um, but it's really, really cool to wake up in the morning and be like, yes, I get to go to work today and I get to do awesome awesome things. And I, and totally. even with rough clients sometimes, and don't get me wrong, there are, there are some rough clients and there are clients that take, 
you know, my best recommendations and just let them die on the vine or don't implement them and, and uh, mm-hmm. kind of dangle them in front of me for years at a, years at a time. Uh, and I really so badly want to see those things implemented and they never do get implemented. But when things do get implemented, it's, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There's a lot of times during my SEO 101 type of trainings and things like that. I use like a, a slide with a giant mixing board to explain SEO. There's tons of knobs and levers and sliders and things like that. So like SEO in general is that way, right? So where we could tweak all these little things to get the sound or, you know, the rankings that we, that we want. I mean, of course there's the on off button, which is not the one you want to press during any of those. <laughs> um, but in general, there's, you know, just, Hey, we could tweak this, we could tweak that and, and get, you know, on our end, better traffic and rankings from that. I would imagine that the on off button would be like a robots.txt. Robots.txt file. Yeah, no index tag. I've had power button on a server. I've had clients press the on off button uh, a few times. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's fun though when you find it for potential clients. Like, yeah. Sites no index. Did you know that? Like, what? There was, uh, so at my last, well, my two jobs ago, on my second to last day, we had a client that we were working with and that happened, like giant fire drill, that happened. They pressed the off button. They, they no-index their entire website and I found it. And luckily, I found it in about maybe like two to, two to four hours after they had implemented it. And I can, because they, they are massive, massive company making probably billions in revenue, uh, even having that in place probably cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe more. Um, I probably can't even predict the scale, but because we found it and got it fixed, uh, probably saved them millions of dollars. So that's the, that's the other, like the other side of SEO that I, that I like to touch on is not only do we build traffic, but there are times, uh, like that or times like going through replatforms or redesigns where part of our job is also to save and preserve traffic. And it's never talked about anyways. So Lily, what was it like Growing up in a family of tech people, um, learning HTML as a as a kid, and the reason I ask that is because I I come from small town small town USA. Um, I'm gathering that maybe I'm I'm a, a tad older, and growing up in that way would have been the furthest thing from my experience. Like I don't think I had a access to a computer until maybe like 17 or 18 years old. So like I think Jeff grew up that way too, where he had that level of access. And I just can't even imagine what it might've been like. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, so first of all, my dad worked on the team that helped develop Java, the programming language. So hmm. my, my dog's name was Java growing up. Um, there was a lot of Java things around the house, like, um, like coffee cups, it's a Java on them and t-shirts, it's a Java. So I never, I never really understood what that meant as a kid, but now it's like, a cool factor <laughs> like, as an adult. I'm like, oh, my dad worked on that. Yeah. That's so lame. Yeah. But uh, in our community, it's really cool. Um, so, yeah, my brother and I used to come home from school every day, like starting in elementary school or middle school, and just be on the computer at all times. Like AOL, uh, chat rooms, building websites, um, a lot of like, I don't want to say like RPGs, but like just early internet games, you know, like where you create an avatar and you go chat with other people and this was the 90s so like it was before people realized that this was like kind of dangerous and sketchy to just be like (laughs) talking to random people I actually made a friend that was a a girl that went to an elementary school near mine we met in a chat room and then our 
like our parents thought it was fine at the time. Like, yeah, we can go introduce these two girls because clearly they're who they say they are. And thankfully she was, and she's still a friend of mine. Um, <laughs> like wow. eventually we realized like, oh, the internet's a really big and scary place. And maybe our kids shouldn't be hanging out in there all the time. Yeah. It's a dark, it's a dark place. You got, you got lucky, man. I know. Oh my we God. We were so innocent back then, you know, it's just yeah. like such a, such an interesting uh, exploration into like human contact at that point. Yeah. I, I, I remember that you get the little uh, AOL CD uh, and you plug it into your, your computer or you get on, I, I think I got on, I didn't do AOL. I think I did Yahoo instant messenger, which I think was called a thing. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Yeah. And like to up your, your creepy, creepy factor a notch. I, I met somebody on there and they just happened to be from Ohio. And it turns out that like when we actually met in person, this person became my girlfriend, not my (laughs) wife by like really relationship didn't last, but I think I actually landed a girlfriend on Yahoo instant messenger when we did eventually did eventually. So that was, I think, like the early form of, uh, what is it, Match.com or all of the dating stuff. Tinder now. I'm so, I out, I'm so out of the yeah. game right now, but I don't even know what the apps are these days that the, all the kids are using. But uh, yeah, man, I yeah. think I was a, an early pioneer with uh, dating online. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Oh, I'm an older nerd where we started off uh, when I was an early teen, I went to Commodore 64 computer camp. Nice. Um, which was super nerdy. Which is super fun. And then uh, I used uh, my 300 baud modem to dial into other people's computers. Because <laughs> that was like the, B- the BBSs that you would go into. And like, um, I guess it was the early day of just like getting software and wares because somebody would have like a Bruce Lee Kung Fu game and you'd be able to download it and, and things like that. And um, it took like five days and then your mom would make a phone call and kick you off the line. So yeah, exactly. uh, that awful with the awful dial up. Noise. <laughs> yeah, remember, exactly. Uh, and, and even before that, like, and I feel like it's like the, the times that we're living in now, I'm thinking like old school computer games, the Oregon trail. Did you guys ever play Oregon? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. Oh, my God. In our computer class, we'd all play that as a group. And it's like, oh, you got typhoid or like yeah. <laughs> dengue fever. Yep. <laughs> it's basically like real life now. We're all yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So Lily, what are some of the biggest challenges that you run up against, you know, day to day as an SEO or, or with your, you know, with your clients that you're working on? Yeah. Um, usually the biggest challenges come from like lack of belief in the process, um, or lack of prioritization of SEO. So there's obviously more stakeholders at big companies than just the SEO department, but our ability to be successful is reliant on people believing in our recommendations and people implementing them efficiently. So a lot of the times things get put on the back burner or people just don't believe that things are going to pan out the way that we say they will. And that's, that's fair because, you know, it's not like paid search where you can instantly see the impacts of what you've done. Um, So a lot of the times we have to make projections and we have to kind of, build confidence in our clients that these initiatives will work. Um, And the good thing is that when they do, they start to trust you more and then they see, oh, this is actually really profitable for us. And, um, you know, it's a better long-term investment than some of the other marketing channels. So it's just about building that trust. um, And, you know, those initial stages of working with clients that don't necessarily 
know you very well yet or believe in the process or maybe they've been burned by other SEO consultants or, or departments, um, that's where most of the challenges take place. So how do you build trust? Um, you have to prioritize the work that you're doing for your clients in such a way that you can get quick wins. That's been my experience. So um, a lot of the times like SEO teams or SEO professionals will like, for example, have like a technical audit that's just templated and fill in the blank. And they'll just fill in the blank, send that to the client, say do these things. Um, when those things don't actually make a big impact for that specific business, or maybe they weren't prioritized in a way where like, doing all those things is actually going to have a huge impact when there's this other thing that the company needs to be thinking about from an SEO standpoint. So what I like to do with my team is we spend a lot of time like uh, internally discussing the client's needs and getting an understanding of the business uh, when we start an SEO campaign. So we can say like maybe the tech audit isn't the thing that needs to happen right now because their technical health looks pretty good. But we do know that they have an issue with like getting backlinks or they have an issue with the way that their website is architected or something like that. So it's always different for every client, um, but we do like to emphasize the need to like get uh, results as quickly as possible so that they can start to trust us and say like, oh yeah, we're going to follow through with the, the rest of the recommendations you guys send us. And then the thing that I would say is a massive, massive challenge with respect to once you've found what you think needs to be fixed, um, pushing it through to the point of implementation is often a big challenge when you're not in control of the website. So how do you make it easy for clients to take it and implement it and not just implement it, but implement it quickly so that you can get those quick results? Yep. Yeah. That's been a, one of my main focuses throughout my career. Um, especially I, when I started in the agency world, I, I didn't really understand because my role right before I joined the agency world, I was, I was logging into the website and making all the changes myself, which was nice because I got to learn how to do all those things. But um, when I stepped into the agency world, it was like, wait, so you're telling me I send my recommendations to someone else. They decide whether or not to do it. And then if they want to do it, they have to send it to their development team. They have to do it, which they have a million other priorities. Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, so luckily for a lot of the clients that I was working on at the beginning of my career, uh, I was just like, you guys are on WordPress. Do you want to just give me a login and I'll do it? And that was kind of new for my agency at the time. Like, uh, I don't know if you should be doing that. I'm like, trust me, it's just, it's WordPress. It's not that hard, you know? Um, so we actually developed, um, for most of our clients, the relationship where we were going and, and logging in and making a lot of the SEO changes. Um, and so that's been something that I've carried with me throughout my career. Like the offering to implement things when we can, and we know that we're not going to break anything. Um, we like to do that as much as possible. Yeah, the funny thing is when you do that and, and you send over the recommendations and the client, then, you know, they've got other priorities. So they have to choose what, if anything, to implement. But then like the ones that make me pull my hair out the most are the clients where you've been stacking up recommendations and no things get implemented, but then they come back to you when something's on fire or when they see the results not doing what they want them to do or just whatever the shiny ball of the day is and they go, Hey, why aren't we getting results or what's going on here? Or what's this new thing? Tell me about that. And you have to like really try to be incredibly honest with them to say, you're not getting results because you didn't implement these things that <laughs> things that we told you to implement or, Hey, uh, I know that uh, structured data is like the word of the day, but you've got 
missing content all over the place. Why don't you think about that yep. first? So it's, it can be tough to be uh, honest, um, especially when you're not going to probably like their response and you know, they're not going to like your response, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, I found that it's, that it's necessary, but I, I still have to say it does make me pull my, <laughs> pull my hair out a little bit. Yeah. That's why I think it's really good to get things in writing as much as possible throughout the process. Um, So, you know, just having it documented, like these are the recommendations, this is what we think will happen. Um, And then, you know, if the client decides to not move forward with it, at least you have it in writing. And sometimes like it's kind of passive aggressive, but you can like go back to that email thread and like respond and be like, you know, as we mentioned below, we think that this and this will happen. Um, So we'd love to move forward with this recommendation that we made to you. So it's tough. I, I've had so many clients in the past where you give them the recommendations and I, they'll straight up and say like, Oh, we're not going to do that. What else do you have? Or here's this, what else do you have? And I'm like, well, here's the list of like 30 things I've recommended <laughs> that we haven't done in the past. And, um, and I'm always amazed when those clients renew also, because sometimes they like the honesty on it. Sometimes they just can't get it done. Right. Like I've yeah. been with many times where development teams or maybe their platform is just so, backwards. I, I have one client who bought their platform. Um, like it was actually a company and they were the only one that ended up using it because it was such a specialized platform that they actually bought that company. So they had to like onboard developers to learn how to like code the back end of that platform. And it's a platform no one's ever heard of, no one's ever done. And it's so specialized that things like redirects are really hard to do. <laughs> um, and it's like, even if it's on the server, it's yeah, it's it's really tough to to get some things done. So, we have our backlog of things of like once we get this up to the par, we're going to be doing. But at the same time, uh, we try to like I, I've been trying to do things through like tag management now and stuff because it's well, you can implement a title tag. Well, I can do it through GTM. So let me try that. So. Yeah, I've always said um, one of the most underrated skills in SEO. It's not anything technical. It's empathy. <laughs> and sometimes I find, and especially if you're listening to this episode and hearing me, you know, drag on about the lack of implementation and so on and so forth, I probably sound like I don't have a great deal of empathy for, <laughs> for clients. And that is because I've probably spent, uh, no, not probably, I've spent like 11 or 12 years in agency world where you, it's just hurry, a hurry up and wait sort of environment. But I think when I've had the most success uh, and this, this goes for clients that are getting good results or clients that are those clients that aren't able to implement, whether they choose not to, or they just simply can't. When I've had the most success is when I've um, displayed a certain amount of empathy and understanding and I'm just there to support the client as a resource, even if they can't do what I'm saying. Um, like Jeff said, sometimes clients like the honesty and sometimes they will renew with you, even if they can't do any of what you're saying, uh, if they trust you as a, as a partner. And I've had a few relationships with clients that we're working on currently where like there have been so many obstacles, uh, in the way of getting good results. And now obviously the biggest obstacle is coronavirus. Um, and just being there for them and being a good and empathetic partner, um, has, has made all the difference in the, in the relationship to the point where like this, this year, and this is probably going to apply to many, many, um, many clients for many people like KPIs 
probably in many cases, you can throw them out the window because the world has been kind of flipped on its head. So what's really going to matter is building relationships and having a certain amount of empathy for what, what everybody's going through, uh, not just with the people that you're working with, but their customers too. But that's probably burying the lead for the back half of the conversation. Um, so why don't, we, why don't we move on? Why don't we move on uh, to some of what's in the news before we do the, the deep dive? Sure. So I think in general, we have um, everything in the news is coronavirus related these days. And, and some of it's, you know, how the industry is responding to it. And one of the, the big news is, or one of the news that came out, um, SEO related, not necessarily just overall um, related, is like I think schema has now been updated. Google has helped update it to, for events in general. Um, but one of the big things they did was implement new properties for postponed or canceled events um, because there's so many conferences and events that were going out there. And, um, you know, Google uses schema a lot for events to, to populate their own calendars. Um, so if you're searching for some sort of marketing event or, or event in general, um, some of them are still showing up as going on because we, there was no schema to remove that or say that it was postponed or say that it was canceled. So um, schema has now been updated for the, the properties so that they can actually do things like event status, um, if event was canceled, um, and then there's, again, event postponed, I think, or they're all the tags that they have now. So, or event rescheduled is another one they have. Yeah, um, I, think that's, uh, I think that's pretty clutch uh, from, uh, is it schema.org or was it more of like a Google related? Uh, I mean, it's schema.org in general, but Google is the biggest driver behind that. Well, right? obviously, so. but I, sometimes I don't know how they work together and if they truly are like, you know, separate and independent, uh, independent, or if they were, I would assume they worked hand in hand uh, with this one, but that brings, I am me, sure. Yeah. That brings me to a, to a question. Um, Lily, as somebody that is in the um, public speaking uh, forum more often than, than we are, um, one, what are your thoughts, obviously, on the schema, but then what are your greater thoughts on, you know, conferences and, and where they're trending this year? Well, the schema is uh, an interesting pivot uh, from Google. I mean, it's obviously needed. Uh, the events industry has been one of the hardest hit by this whole thing, um, and that's hit me on a pretty personal level. This was supposed to be a year of, like, my 2020 speaking tour. I had a pretty ridiculous number of conferences lined up over the next six months all over the world. Um, I was actually kind of like wondering how I was going to do all of it, but uh, that's pretty much all out the window right now, which is unfortunate. And I really, really feel for the organizers of these conferences. I, I'm yeah. speaking with a lot of them and it's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare for all parties involved. So my heart goes out to them. It's a lot of really hard work right now. Um, and so I think, it's just unfortunate in many ways, aside from the logistical nightmare that so many people are experiencing with this whole thing. Um, you know, there's going to be a big void in the community in terms of like socializing and networking. Granted, people are making up for that online as much as they can, which has been really cool to see. There's even like myself and some others are doing like Zoom hangouts in the evenings where people can just have a glass of wine and like talk on a personal level, which has been pretty cool. But it's not really a substitute for the real thing when you're going and meeting right. people in person. So um, that's sad for everybody involved. Um, but it's not just SEO. It's, it's everything. You know, my best friend's a corporate event producer and she's scared for the future of her job at this point. So it's, 
it's so many different industries that are being affected by this thing. The best. Yeah, it's almost, it's unlike anything I've, I think any of us have seen in our lifetime. We, you know, we try to compare it to things like 9-11. And as awful as 9-11 was, things were still open. Um, so I think the, the last kind of major, major pandemic that in, impacted the United States was over 100 years ago with, the, I believe, the Spanish flu. Now, I may be wrong. I'm not an expert. But, um, and obviously, social media and, uh, you know, the internet and digital weren't a thing then. So there wasn't, you know, the things weren't socialized and information wasn't shared and spread uh, as, as quickly. So I think the the impact of what this is this is doing is unprecedented probably in the history of the the world with respect to how information is being shared not to say that it's the worst pandemic ever because it's not um and you know hopefully it won't be but it's it's a crazy 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 time we we live in and and not only that like we're all affected there's not a person on the planet that isn't impacted in some way. And that's new because not everybody was impacted by, uh, you know, by 9-11. Not everybody was impacted by 9-11. Not everybody was impacted by maybe the only other comparable thing that I can think of, which would be like the Gulf War uh, and, and well, one, one and two. Um, but not everybody was impacted by, like, by, by that. And this is literally right. everywhere. Everywhere every person. I've never seen anything like it. And maybe we won't ever see anything like it again. I can imagine our kids growing up and talking about, you know, going, going through this and what it was, what it was like. And hopefully it doesn't get, you know, too much more difficult than, uh, than this. Although I know many, many families are, you know, going through, uh, people being sick and people, people dying and thank God we haven't had to go through that. But if we, I just, I can't even imagine uh, how kids are going to uh, talk about this. And not only that, I can't even imagine what behaviors it might change in them uh, in the future. Anyways. Well, it's, it's interesting because it, having three kids of my own and seeing how they, they're reacting, uh, it's interesting because we're all home. Uh, they have a homeschooling system, uh, our, our district. So my kids aren't homeschooled, but the teachers have to implement or, or, um, put in all their lesson plans every day anyway into this system um, before the epidemic because it's just the way that the school district works. So if there was ever a snow day in Atlanta, we get like maybe one of those every three years. <laughs> um, but uh, if there's a snow day, if there's some sort of something like this, um, the kids can go home and log on to it. If actually they don't have a computer at home, one could be given to them. I think if you don't have internet though, that's where we might have some issues. But for the most part, I think you know 90 plus percent people in my district probably have a computer or internet that they can log into. Um, but the, the ability like on the iPads or, or Android devices or, or whatever, but we, um, we have Apple stuff here. They're FaceTiming all their friends and they literally have like FaceTime parties now where they're all just talking to their classmates and talking about it. And it's, to me, it's amazing just to see that type of stuff. There's like the, the positives some in this where, you know, there's, there's mental health issues where people are afraid they're locked up. They, they don't have someone to talk to. And, and Lily, as you said, you have some zoom meetings or um, Google hangouts or, or things like that. There's so many ways now you can reach out and just talk to your friends. Um, and, and some of that is, is really interesting in the news aspect or like the informational aspect. There, there's tons of bad information out there, but I also think there's a lot of information that every day 
every minute all new information is coming in. So you see news anchors last week saying this is a hoax. Now they're all on board. And once they learn the facts of it, because they, in the news, you got to be a little shocking too, which I think can scare people. Um, but being able to see uh, even like YouTubers doing like, uh, there's one YouTuber I like to watch, Mark Roper. And he has this video now where he shows how germs get spread. And he puts this, um, glow in the dark, not glow in the dark, glow under a black light stuff on the teacher's hands and has the teacher just shake three kids' hands. And at the end of the day, you see where everything goes in there. And the whole classroom is pretty much lights up just from the kids touching each other, touching everything. And um, so stuff like that, information for little kids of like how my kids see that and totally understand it because it was made for them. And I think 20 years ago, we wouldn't have had that, right? It would have just been some doctor in a suit sitting there and telling you what to do. So I, I think actually we're kind of, even though everyone's locked up inside their houses these days, I really feel that any time in, in the history of the world is, is the best time to do it now, right? Because we, we have all these Netflix and things like that to keep us occupied, but just the communications, we're not just on a phone anymore where we can communicate like this. We can communicate to our phones and, and uh, iPads and stuff like that. So I think it's really cool that way. So. So to bring it back to the the structured data news, and I think we'll skip the next story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys imagine any other types of structured data that may kind of rapidly develop as as we kind of go through this pandemic? There's a yeah. lot around like drugs and medical content that might have to be updated, especially like just yeah. today the FDA was announcing some potential new drugs to use for I don't know if it's the prevention of coronavirus, but I imagine that stuff will have to be updated really quickly as, as the research is done. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not familiar with like um, medical or hospital related schema. Um, Cause I've never had to, you know, I've not had a client in that, in that particular field. I've had healthcare, but not like the, the things that are necessary now. And I'm, I'm thinking like things like number of beds available, uh, I don't know. It, I'm I'm just thinking things to uh, to alert people m- much in the way of the the way that they're alerting uh, on the with events that they're going on or not going on or whatever. I'm thinking. I, I'm just thinking. What are all of the tangential things related to different industries to let people know like what, what's going what's going on? Like real information, real time information, almost like products being in stock or out of stock except for medical. I, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how ethically responsible that is because I don't know. I, I do know how not quickly that stuff can, can take to, to be updated on a website. So, you know, that type of information, while it could be helpful, could be unethical because it could get out of date really, really quickly. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah know. That's, um, one thing that I was, uh, I'm, I'm writing an article today that I'm publishing about coronavirus and, and what Google's been doing with it. And that's uh, interesting you pointed that out because one thing that they have done is they've introduced, I don't know if these are brand new, but I've never seen them before. And probably because we haven't had pandemics like this before, I, I think in my lifetime, to something this big, but um, they have like an SOS alert, they have um, symptoms, they have tips for managing it. Um, and all this stuff is pulled from like the World Health Organization and CDC. So it's not Google creating the content, like it's not from the knowledge graph, um, but it's interesting to see them display content around coronavirus in the organic search results 
um, in such a way where it's like you really actually don't need to click on anything because it's all there. But to your point, like maybe they'll start to introduce new panels for like where can you go to get tested or where can you go if you have it or what number should you call like for your local yeah. hotline. And I have heard, like, I can imagine that this is like the election with uh, with Russia and uh, in, in kind of the fake news uh, cycle that I know Facebook had to really uh, go through and suppress a lot. I can imagine that Google's doing a lot of suppression of stories that are inaccurate yeah. or, or fear mongering or, you know, who knows what else. I don't even no, imagine. They definitely are. So that, that actually video on YouTube I was talking about with Mark Roper, I have like on my kids' iPads, YouTube has like a filter on it, mostly to keep them away from like bad negative things in there. And his article or his video was actually blocked off. Um, mm-hmm. Don't know why. And it was like, he was restricted in there. And I think it was because it was talking about coronavirus and things like that. So I think um, Facebook did that too this week. Facebook, yeah. like, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a big glitch where like a bunch of posts were marked as spam or inappropriate, but it was actually just a glitch, but it was like too, they just went too far with trying to restrict content about coronavirus on Facebook. Yeah. I even had a post taken down. Wow. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's a tough world. Yeah. So, so why don't we, why don't we segue because we're talking about it anyways into our deep dive, which today, and yeah. I forgot to announce the deep dive, it's coronavirus and SEO. Um, it's the, it's the unavoidable topic. So uh, we're all dealing with a wide variety of clients. And I would just ask you guys, how have your clients been impacted? And what strategies are you working with them on in these troubled times? Yeah, so, um, you know, we have a lot of different clients at PATH. So of course, many of them are going to feel this thing in a big way. Um, Others are I don't want to say benefiting from it because that sounds crass, but they're seeing big increases in demand and traffic as a result. Um, So that's been pretty interesting. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to, number one, be super empathetic and supportive to everybody as much as we can be. Um, Number two, for clients who maybe we can come up with something creative in the short term, like if they're a small business, like coming up with a gift card strategy or like a live streaming strategy or something like that just to help them in the very near future. Um, strategically with their marketing initiatives. Um, But yeah, it's tough. And, uh, you know, realistically, like capitalizing on trying to rank for coronavirus content is, it's going to be very hard, um, depending on the industry that you're in. There's just certain sites that Google is going to rank for those keywords. And for everybody else, you're not really going to be able to compete. But we have a couple of clients, for example, that are like uh, in the pet industry, where a lot of people have questions about pets, and they are actually able to rank. So we've been providing some new content recommendations uh, in areas where we think our clients have the potential to show up. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say benefiting from this, right? But we have definitely seen s- some of our clients really jump up in, in some of the commerce or deliver- clients that deliver. Um, Clients that like our, our brick and mortar stores, there's been a ton of search volume around like is so and so store open, um, because there's been a lot of shutdowns. Um, there's I deal with one fast food restaurant, and they like a lot of their traffic is you know is all about are they open, is the drive through open, what are they doing to you know to make sure ensure safety, um, and I, I think there's a lot of that going around. So benefiting in traffic. 
probably not in you know actual sales because there's a lot of these places had to shut down their restaurants and and if you're lucky enough to have a drive through or lucky enough to be able to deliver um, then then you probably aren't hurting as bad as someone whose restaurant is not um, so we, we've seen a lot of that we've also seen some you know especially in uh, things like hotel spaces and stuff like that that they're they're getting decimated right now um, just the people are canceling their bookings or canceling their travel and, and things like that. So we're seeing a ton of that go through. I, I think it is going to be tough. Like every, it's interesting because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter complaining about everything you've ever signed up in your whole life has like an email response <laughs> out to you to say like, how is, you know, chicken fried chicken handling this? Yeah. Or anyone like, how's like shoe carnival handling, you know, and and it's things it's kind of interesting that way, but and not to make light of it, but there there everyone has to have a response, right? Because we are in this world right now where it's like people if if you really want to know, um, you know, Amazon's like a big one right now where it's they're very uh, like they're trying to stop like unessential deliveries right now. So if you need to get like a shoe polish, it's probably not as important right now as them trying to restock their shelves with things like, you know, toilet paper or, or products that are, that'll help you there. So where did you come up with shoe polish of all things? Oh, I think I said shoe carnival and I don't know where I came up with that. I was trying to think of something unessential. I, I'm demanding. I need my shoe polish, Jeff. God damn it. Well, there are some things where like, I don't know about you guys, but being quarantined, I'm like, I need like a manicure kit. Like if I can't go right. get my nails, it's going to be, it's going to be bad soon. You know? Yeah, yeah, there was a meme like we're we're three weeks away from finding everyone's true hair color. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, look at me. It's like I'm not going to be blonde soon. Also, people aren't going to be able to walk around in their houses with their fancy shoes all polished up anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a problem. Oh man. Maybe maybe you have more time to polish them now. Get well, you'll have more time. Just nobody's going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so. I would say, yeah. So Jeff and I work at the same, at obviously the same company. So like there are certain places where we cross over in terms of our visibility into certain clients and, and industries um, and certain places that we, that we don't. Um, one of my clients, and I hate to say it like this, but they're in an industry where they're in a very good position to um, take advantage. And that even, that sounds so bad. It sounds sleazy, um, almost, but they're in a position where, because everybody is moving from the office to working from home, um, they're one of those companies that is right in line to see an increase. And they are, um, in the last 10 days, they've seen over a 50% increase in traffic and it's not brand plus coronavirus, right? It is just brand, more people looking for their, for their brand, which I find, um, I find interesting that, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that, that there is going to be brand plus coronavirus and that's kind of an emerging trend, but for right now it's just brand and, and that trend is at 50% and it's going up. Um, and I think the biggest point of emphasis with them has been, while I can't tell you what to do as a business in terms of saying you should take the example of certain of your competitors who have offered free services or, you know, certain, certain things to their customers, what I can really push back on is if I'm helping you with any, any type of research or I'm helping you providing feedback on certain web pages that you're thinking of 
putting up, or if you're thinking of putting up uh, a web page, for example, around uh, teachers and education, as an example, because they're highly affected. Um, I've, I've found that I've really had to balance the idea of profiting from any of this, because that's obviously you know, what they're in, in a position to do with being empathetic and ethical and really, really worrying about something I really wouldn't worry about normally, which is what are the PR implications if you put this out there and people take it the wrong way and you don't show enough empathy both as a, as a brand and, and to your customers uh, in this time. So like that has not been something over the course of my career that is often kind of creeped in in terms of thinking about PR ramifications of, of really putting tone deaf content online. But that has been something that has cropped up recently where I found myself really pushing back very hard to say, be careful what you're doing here. Um, be careful. Um, there's a, there's a balance. Like I get it. You, you want to take advantage and, and your business is in a position to do this, but be careful. Um, take advantage without taking advantage. Um, and that's, it's a weird place. And then there are other clients where, um, people are, people are stuck at home, so they've got nothing better to do. So like they're blowing up because people are trying to find things to do in this case, uh, in the fitness industry, right? So people are now moving from working out at gyms, which are all closed in Ohio to working out, uh, working out at home. Um, so working with them to, figure out, okay, like you're not responding at all. Maybe you should put up some content to teach people how to work out from home, especially if they don't know how to do it. And I can just, I can, I can imagine the, the amount of influx that's coming with work from home, virtual office, uh, digital nomad, basically any remote work, like the, uh, the amount of content being created in every industry around that subject is, is flooding in probably on an unprecedented level. Um, but it's unfortunately it's so, it's so necessary. It's just, it's just the norm on steroids times a hundred or more. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's really a weird time. Yeah. I think like companies that are in a position where they're suddenly seeing huge increases in demand for their services are kind of morally obligated to be doing something for all the people that aren't because there's endless opportunities to be charitable right now on any level. So that's something that I've felt really personally this week is like, I'm able to just sit here and have an internet connection and continue pretty much as normal with my clients. You know, I'll miss sitting next to my coworkers, but we're all here connected on zoom. Thank God. So (laughs) that's, already a position of privilege compared to so many people in the world that have had to completely stop working. So I'm trying to just coordinate like ways that my friends who are fitness instructors or bartenders or servers at restaurants are like live streaming and doing cooking classes and taking tips on Venmo or just something like that uh, to keep things going. But I also just feel like if you're making money right now, and especially if you're making more money than you were last week, uh, you have a moral obligation to help other people out in some capacity. And I and I'm I find myself sitting sitting here and feeling like I have to do my job, but at the same time, it almost makes me a little a little sick. Um, 
because if they're if they're not taking that moral obligation seriously, and again, I'm in no position to tell anybody what to do with their business. It's it's a it's it's a rock and a hard place as somebody whose job it is to help them grow their grow their traffic. Um, and I would say that if you're in that position as an as an SEO, like you ultimately have to do what's right for for you. Um, and doing what's right for you may not be right with the company that you're working for. Um, but this is this is a this is a tough time and it might be time to to stay to stand up a little bit, um, and, and push back. But I don't, again, I don't want to tell anybody how to respond or to go against the grain of their, their company. Um, it's just a weird, a weird position. So everybody has to kind of make their own choice on, uh, what to do. Yeah. And with all chaos, there's opportunity, right? So there's, um, a lot of people are home now and maybe it, if you're not set up to work from home, some people are just home. Right. And, and that's, uh, there's lots of kids in school that are that way where their schools were never set up to work from home. So they're just off for three weeks. So companies like Khan Academy is offering free school schedules and free um, online videos. Usually they charge for that type of stuff, but they're giving you those schedules and saying, here, if your kid's in second grade, this is probably what they're learning right now. They can be doing these so that um, if you're home as a parent trying to work with your kids there, at least you can be working together or working, you know, at the same time. So that way they're not just killing each other with Nerf guns and, and playing Fortnite all night. Um, tons of companies like Ahrefs just came out with, or uh, Tim Sulu is like blogging um, for business. So it used to be $700. He opened it up for free during this to like, so if you ever wanted to get into blogging or you are a blogger right now and, uh, or you have a side blog and, and you want to be able to grow it, there's great information there to it. Um, I think there's a conference coming up, SEO for Life. I'm not sure if that was set up. I think that was set up just for this. Um, not like since now most SEO conferences are gone <laughs> uh, or, or delayed or postponed. Um, you know, they're, they're setting up some things. So I know that uh, like Hamlet and, and a few people uh, are on that. Um, CXL is also offering some programs and things like that. So uh, college courses, um, you can, Princeton opened up their courses. If you ever want to think that you're going to an Ivy League school, <laughs> um, you know, they, they, a lot of these, Yale have offered up a lot of their online classes that they had. Just the videos. I mean, you don't get the degree, but you can watch the videos and learn from there. Um, tons of companies are offering things like um, free like extending their free trials for six months, especially video conferencing services or security services. Like um, I think like one password was one that, that has put it out there where your free trial now lasts six months instead of only lasting. Um, I, I use a program called crisp, which is a noise canceling for your microphone. So if my kids are screaming in the background, <laughs> it should kind of mimic like minimize that noise. They're offering free stuff too. So there's a lot out there doing it. And, I know Lily, you're offering up, you have a, I saw your post and, and signed up for it about kind of taking people who have some extra time in SEO or digital marketing and trying to set them up with people who might need the work right now. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people that are trying to do just this. They're trying to go out there and, and offer their, their services. And that's been really awesome to see that. Um, so yesterday I just posted a page on my personal website and said, if you're trying to do this and you have something to offer, um, you know, sign up here and, and hopefully, you know, some businesses will sign up as well. And I can, I can kind of coordinate like connecting people. So I've had a really amazing response from digital marketers, but I haven't had as much of a response from business owners just yet. Um, and I have to imagine they're dealing with a lot of things right now beyond looking at Twitter. 
So um, hopefully some more businesses sign up and over the next couple of weeks, I'll just be connecting people and seeing where people can add some pro bono value um, and hopefully helping, you know, small businesses get back on their feet. And Jeff, you're volunteering your services as well. Yeah, I signed up for uh, Lily's list there, but I'm thinking of actually going on something like next door. Um, as much as I'd love to be able to help people around the world, I think helping people closest to you is is super important because those are the places where I get coffee or those are the places I pick up, you know, the small little things there. So um, I might actually just start reaching out to some some businesses that I know that I frequent that I really like. Um, like there's a new little coffee roaster that they don't sell coffee, they sell coffee beans. <laughs> um, but it was been amazing coffee beans. And, and so I'm going to reach out to them and say like, hey, is there anything we, I can help during this time? Because I know their store is going to be closed. I know they're going to have trouble. Um, they do have a little online store. It's just one person runs that store. So I want to be able to kind of help them out. And here I am feeling like the only curmudgeon of the of the group. I'm I I don't personally feel like I have enough time time with my three kids under six and working and homeschooling and everything. So I don't know that I'm going to be volunteering my services. But that being said, um, if anybody wants to to reach out, uh, of course I'll answer answer a question. I won't turn anybody turn anybody down. But I don't know that I'll be proactive uh, about volunteering my services. Um, so, Lily, um, one question as we kind of wrap up the episode that we try to ask everybody is, now I can't imagine being this person now because if you're this person, you're living in crazy, crazy times and it'll never be like this probably again, but what advice would you give to somebody whose literal first day in SEO is to... <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you have to, you really have to stay connected and make sure that you're following the right sources of information. That's one thing that I've learned. Um, so just like kind of compiling a list of uh, trusted publications and people to follow that provide good information um, and seeing what they are up to, because a lot of those people are doing you know, research about like information retrieval and things like that, where that you might not be looking at in your day to day, but it's really important to understand those concepts throughout your work. So um, I think it's important to write, to follow the right people. Um, but I also always recommend that people set up like their own side projects aside from what they're doing at work. So you should set up a website, you should see what's happening on that website, try things, break things, experiment with things because that's where you really learn the hands-on knowledge where you can go to work the next day and be like, Oh, I've done this before. I know how to do it for one of our clients. So if, if you're new and you're figuring out who's who in the industry and this industry is ripe with them, how do you sift through honestly the bullshitters? Hmm. I mean, I think that uh, if you look at some of the big trusted publications, like, you know, you have Moz and search engine land, search engine journal, um, there's people that write really, really good content and they get featured pretty consistently because the content that they put out there is good and it's resonating with people and um, it's getting a lot of shares because people find it useful. So I think um, that's, it's probably a good place to start. Um, there's obviously also like a whole undercurrent of like black hat and gray hat SEO, which I haven't done in many years, but um, I wouldn't recommend that people get into that at this point, just because I feel like unless you're willing to take a lot of risks with your own domains, uh, it's too risky and Google's getting too smart. So I'm very yeah. pro white hat these days. 
So where can people find you? I'm very active on Twitter, so it's Lily Wright NYC. Um, I work for Path Interactive as the SEO director, so I have a new article coming out on the Path blog today. Um, and then LinkedIn is also a good place. Cool. And not at a club DJing anytime soon, unfortunately. Maybe live streams. Maybe so some I'll, live post, streams. I'll post on Twitter if I do some live streams. I think that'd be nice. fun. There we go. Some that would be live fun. streams. Totally. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I know this was uh, an episode where we constantly talked about coronavirus, but it just it kind of is what it is. What it is. We're in we're in a trying trying times. So I really appreciate your your willingness to come on and to honestly to be candid about a tough tough subject that we're all facing. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, and I hope that. Thank you so much for listening to the Page 2 Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel, if you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.